0: We're discussing the third episode of season five of Lost Girl,
1: Big in Japan. And it's Asianness. Welcome
0: to Drinks at the Doll, episode 83. are listening to drinks at the doll a podcast waystation for lost girl fans i'm your host stephanie and i'm annie and i'm chris and we are talking about big in japan which is the third episode of season five of lost girl and for the drink special for this episode i i actually for a second because i don't know if y'all noticed but the people in this episode that were featured a lot they were japanese i don't know if you caught this <laughs> It was very subtle, but they were Japanese. turning Japanese. I'm
1: turning Japanese. Sorry.
0: (laughs) And (laughs) because of the subtlety of the Asian characters in this episode, I was actually tempted to make the drink special Oriental cocktail in tribute to the old fashioned tropes that we saw in this episode. But I didn't end up going with that. I went with a a drink called Lonely Night, which if I had this drink, I would feel less lonely, I think, because it involves coffee liqueur. (laughs) Irish cream liqueur, hazelnut liqueur, and vanilla ice cream. So it is a frozen drink and it sounds delicious. Oh. <laughs>
1: that does sound really good.
0: Doesn't it? So I chose I went with that one since yes. Bo was dealing with feeling like she would always be alone since
2: a lonely night. So sad. I, I mean, we wouldn't want to drink a sake bomb. Well, I, I just... I want sake now. My <laughs> japanese is coming out. My japanese is My Japanese is coming out. I, and I hate sake.
0: I, I did consider that, but then I was like, eh, that might be playing into stereotypes as well. So, ultimately, <laughs> took, a, took a hard right turn away from the Asian-ness.
2: <laughs>
0: what in the hell was that?
1: <laughs> it was... It was the screeching like, of the tires. It's the oh. screeching wheels. Oh, okay. Hard,
0: hard right turn. <laughs> okay, got it. Oh, goodness. Okay, so I wasn't able to be at our the recording for our shot episode earlier in the week. In that episode, Annie mentioned, I think both of you were kind of like, overall, I liked it. Though it sounded like you both maybe had some issues with the episode. I, I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm like, I'm not sure if I liked it. I didn't dislike it, but I'm not sure if I liked it. So I'm just overall kind of... Ugh. Oh,
2: okay <laughs> <That seems laughs> about be the episode some people's opinions yes yeah yeah i mean the a plot was just okay with musashi musashi it was all right the case of the week but you know i like some of the other stuff better mm-hmm. about bo losing her sex drive i like the i always like seeing how the fantasy sci-fi trope of the hero losing their powers how that plays out and it was interesting to see
1: it brought to lost girl See, I think I liked it more once I talked to you and you mentioned that. Yeah, because it's like, oh yeah, it is that sort of episode that they always seem to have, right?
0: Yep. Let's jump into talking about Bo and Musashi and that plot and all of its Asianness. Oh my god, the abundance of Asianness! <laughs> Please tell me that you noticed
2: the Asian music this time. <laughs> No, we did not. I, I did. did not. No, no, I, I totally mean, did. I only thought about it afterwards. I'm going, wow, I wonder how much Asian music really bugged the hell out of Stephanie this time. <laughs> it was more the set design and the costumes going, oh, so Asian, so Asian, Asian everywhere. It's bleeding out of my eyeballs, Asian. <laughs> so it was more that than the music. But now I went and I looked at the music list for 503, which you can find online, and it's all... Japanese tea drinking, meditation, <laughs> and crap like that. And I'm all, I bet if I download that and play that for Stephanie next time, I will make you an entire frickin' Asian playlist. Oh, gosh, no. As, really as you just... say, of, of the Asian flutes. Something playing like the, you know, something like that. I'll make that all for you, Stephanie, but it won't be as bad or as humorous as what I just did now. Uh, no, it and won't. That was That was good. And by the way, people, it's called karaoke, not karaoke, the way the <laughs> Americans say that. So that bugs the hell out of me. But say it again, Annie. Karaoke. That's, that's how you pronounce that word. But Musashi and the Aikets doing really, really bad karaoke really annoyed me. Like it did trick. I just have to mention. And then, and then in the, uh, in the, uh, enhanced version or whatever of the episode, the script note says they're, You know, drunk and they're having a great time. They're rock stars. You wish you want to be them. And I'm like, no, No. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) That is like, that's like the most offensive Asian-ness that's in my ears from this episode, is that bad cut okay. But anyway, go on, Stephanie.
0: Well, again, we we commented on this when when we discussed Destiny's Child, episode 409. Back last season, the horrible Asian stereotypes, I shouldn't say horrible, <laughs> but just the really tired Asian stereotypes that Lost Girl uses is just so, uh, irritating to me. And I wanted to read, this is, this is a little bit from Dorothy Snarker's recap from after Ellen.com, who I believe she is also Asian. And, and yes, she is. here is her comment that she wrote, and I thought it was really well phrased, and I would just read it. So. She says, show, why are so many of your storylines with Asian characters so deeply stereotypical? Honor? Karaoke? Gujing? Gallivator music? It is possible to write compelling plots with Asian characters that do not rely on these frankly tired and very tiring ancient Chinese secret type of approaches. Look, I know the show is talking about an ancient Japanese clan here, and there are certain historic traditions, but the accumulated span of this series has shown precious few Asian characters outside of very traditional Asian settings. A Chinese restaurant, an Asian herb shop, a Japanese sushi restaurant, and karaoke night at the local bar. Come on, show. You can do
2: better. Yeah. And of course, when Musashi is singing karaoke, everybody... And the doll is suddenly Asian. And I'm like, where did all this come I from? That like, was because
0: Japanese people love karaoke, obviously. It dro- drew them in like flies to
2: honey. <laughs> exactly. And they all thought it was great karaoke. Yes. And I'm like, S- nobody can be that drunk. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Buckthorn
0: mead, Annie. Goodness. So much Asian-ness. So much stereotypical Asian. The honor. Oh my gosh. How many times yeah, did they yeah. say honor?
1: I don't know, but I almost wish I'd done a drinking game when I was watching it. <laughs> and I was like, you're going to commit seppuku. Of course you are. Yes.
2: And kill yourself. Yes. And I'm like, what? <sighs> and everybody's in kimonos. I've been in a kimono. It's really frigging uncomfortable. I mean, as much as I loved seeing the behind the scenes clip in the enhanced version from how, you know, it is really nice how the production design and the costume designers really work and to create that world. And I always appreciate the crew of Lost Girl and how much they research. But still, it's like those poor actors, you have to put them in full on kimonos. And I'm like, oh, to be in that for eight hours, I would have just killed myself.
0: And then, so we have the honor, we have the kimonos, we have the karaoke, we have the seppuku. Is that how you say it?
2: I think so. Seppuku, I, right. yeah. And let's not forget the ninjas. Yes, the most ninjas. Important of all. And for a second,
0: I kind of, I sat and I considered, cause I try to, in general, give things the benefit of the doubt and really think about things first. And I sat and I thought, like, well, are they trying to do an homage? Kind of like, you know, Kill Bill vol- volume one is a kung fu movie homage. And it's like, no, yeah. I, I, they might have been trying it, but it really was not successful. So it just ends up being a huge hodgepodge of Japanese slash Asian stereotypes. And, I'm just done with that. Can we please not do that anymore?
2: Well, it's a stereotype because every other freaking fantasy and whatever show uses it becomes a stereotype because nobody, as Dorothy Snarker said, is doing it inventively and realistically. Chris, you and I are not going out wearing freaking kimonos because we've got part Asian in us. We are never doing that. I was
1: going to say, to be fair, I'm not Japanese,
2: but yeah, <laughs> I, I've got Japanese heritage, but I ain't wearing no kimono. I am wearing a very comfortable shorts and a t-shirt right now. <laughs> my drinks, my my doll t-shirt, which is one of my favorite t-shirts, I'm very comfortable.
1: So, <laughs> well, I'm wearing my bow hoodie again. So there Yay! you
2: go.
0: <laughs> So it sounds like we we all were fairly underwhelmed by this storyline. My my biggest problem besides the Asian stereotypes is I felt like there was too much explaining and not enough seeing things actually happen. It felt like all of the hmm. important plot points of this storyline happened because somebody explained something lengthy. And it just felt That's really, really
2: not well executed at all to What's me. What's the word? Um, too much exposition, not enough exactly. showing. Exactly. Exactly. Except when it came, I mean, the stereotypical ninja scene, I mean, the production design was beautiful, and I like seeing that that fight from a stunt point of view, mm-hmm. and hearing about how much fun Rachel and Anna had being pretend ninjas, trying to see through their masks, but yeah, there was a lot of talk, and then, you know, there's some things I wish we'd seen. And then Musashi's power, since he's proved to be a fraud, it's kind of lame. It's like, what is his power? To see stuff in drinks, like glow-in-the-dark ice cubes? Like, (laughs) tricks his hands do? He can wave his hand over a drink. Ooh, that's like a really
1: cool Fae power. What the hell? He can show glasses. So he would be useful
2: working in the restaurant.
1: Yes, he'd
0: be a very handy bartender. Or bar back, at least
2: maybe he can wave his hand over the toilet since, you know, he is relegated to cleaning toilets and go, oh.
0: Because they turned him it's into like- an edamame?
2: Yeah, <laughs> and he's an edamame now, and he can go, oh. It's like uh, that that phosphorescent stuff or whatever you put, you know, or it's like a black light when you can see how dirty the toilet is, he can see how dirty the toilet is and go, oh, I really need to scrub there and not get that spot, so I don't know I th- what his is. I thought he was is. making
1: stuff cold. He- yes, I he guess, was. I guess, but uh, <sighs> well, you can
2: Free someone's butt on the toilet, I guess, but it's not.
1: <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Is
2: like, how would that be useful
1: in, with I, I the don't toilet? I
2: It doesn't seem to be a useful power. That's just what I'm saying.
1: I mean, they're so. in Canada, so I, I think that would be like the opposite of what would be useful, right? <laughs> he
0: suggests that he can do more, but we didn't see anything besides the, the yeah. frosty glass power.
2: Right. And that was annoying. That was annoying in the script to just see that to hear him talk about it and not to see it. Although I have to say, I really, really loved. Tamsin fangirling over him.
0: Oh uh, well. Like- okay. First of all, I just thought Tamsin was delightful in this episode. Me too. I- yeah. I'm just gonna say that. Period. Tamsin was delightful, and yes, her fangirl moment over Misashi was was adorable. I loved it.
2: My fa- my favorite, one of my favorite lines from this episode: Misashi, Misashi. Although. Seriously, what the hell is up with the assassin named Big Taco? Big Taco? Really? (laughs) Big Taco? How can anybody take an assassin like that seriously? Like (laughs) Hampton says, it's a competitor from her bounty hunter days. Fear me, Big Taco! What the? Seri- maybe it's like a diversion because people uh, won't take him seriously, and then he could just come in and hack their head off because they're too busy laughing at the big taco exactly. Name. But <laughs> they I just,
0: underestimate him because his nickname is Big
1: Taco.
2: I was like, "What Lost Girl writers? What the heck? Are that and that's not even Asian. You make
1: everything Asian except Big, big Taco." taco. <laughs> no, did you see how it's? Did you see how it's spelled in the credits? Though no, how oh, is it spelled? Oh, I don't- was a it- t a k o or I don't know. Yeah, it's like T O C dash O or something, or T O K O. I forget exactly. I I didn't write it down, but oh. I didn't see that it's.
0: So maybe it was just poor pronunciation of a Japanese name. It could have
1: been. I mean, they were they like spelled it Japanesey, but <laughs> yeah, Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's supposed to be the joke, right? Like yes. it's yeah, it's a Japanesey thing that uh, when when pronounced. In In a Canadian accent.
2: Yeah, it's like, it It just sounds sounds like taco. Not even that, I think, with the Japanese alphabet the way it is, uh, yeah, you could spell it phonetically in Japanese, but it's still pronounced taco in Japanese, like takako. Like, you know, you still have those, uh, you still have those um, consonants in the heart, those hard consonants in the Japanese language. But, you know, it's like, you could have made a joke to make it more clear. Like, Bo could have been like, taco? Yummy. And she's like, no, like, Japanese taco you know, and like spelled it out so that we didn't think it was Mexican instead of having to look at the credits.
1: So, okay. No, no. Cause I had that moment too. I was just kind of like, what the hell? That could <laughs> okay, possibly now, be. Now, now
2: I get it. Yeah.
1: Okay. And then looking at the credits, it's like, Oh, they were trying to I- do a thing, but it just, <laughs> it was not clear within the context of the episode.
2: They meant it to be Japanese, but instead it became a joke.
0: According to Wikipedia, it's T a K apostrophe.
1: O taco or something okay. like that. Okay. 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 I said dash. It was apostrophe. It was apostrophe. I couldn't no. remember. But... Well, you got close. We got the idea. There was there was punctuation there, <laughs> yes. is my point. <laughs> <laughs> so what else about
2: the Musashi Musashi?
0: <laughs> well back to Tamsin. I thought she was delightful. I, I liked seeing her be Bo's, you know, buddy. kicking ass buddy. I and too. it kinda like we we predicted you know, with Kenzie being gone, we're seeing Tamsin, I think, step into that role in the story. I'm not saying she's taking Kinsey's place as a her relationship with Bo and at all. But Bo needs mm-hmm. a buddy, you know, she needs a buddy to confront these cases with. And I I, I I, liked what we saw between her and Tamsin. I thought they were a fun pair.
2: Flirt kick. Yeah. Flirt yeah. kick.
0: Yes, she's her flirt kick.
2: <laughs> uh, flirt kick. But no, I really like them being partners and Tamsin getting all her Kill Bill fantasies fulfilled.
1: Okay, can Kay. can we talk about this for a second? Because this really irritated me, since we're complaining. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I know we swung back from complaining, but I'm complaining again. Okay, why would Tamzin have Kill Bill 1 and 2 fam- fantasies? Why? Because she's blonde and <laughs> Uma Thurman-ish. It, it's a but- good
0: point, though, because she's a badass Valkyrie. Why would she admire Uma Thurman, you know? <laughs>
1: That is what I am oh, saying. I like, like Tamsin is such a badass and has lived such a long and amazing and, and whatnot, <laughs> adventurous life. Why would she aspire to be the bride from Kill Bill? Why?
0: It's a good question. I, I don't think they want
2: because us to think too much about it, though.
1: Also, I have tremendous I issues with Kill Bill. This is Chris's unpopular opinion alert. I hate Kill Bill.
2: Well, yeah, I can, I mean, I've, I've heard your opinion on, I can see that from, because I know you, Chris, I can see that. <laughs> okay. But I, I just, yeah, I mean, my issue was more with, oh, because Bo gets the ninja sword, Tamsin gets the weird, not
1: quite nunchucky They things. were police batons. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> or like the, uh, the telescoping police batons, that's what they were. Well, we have ninja weapons everywhere, and she gets some
2: police batons you know it just looked weird in the scene weapon wise compared to everybody else but i did love that jacket on tamsin
1: oh i liked the outfit the outfit looked good the outfit was
0: great but you you it, you take issue with the kill bill desires
1: yes uh. for my two reasons that i hate kill bill for reasons and that why would tamsin aspire to be that because certainly she's more had a more interesting life experience than than that which was in the- kill bill
2: right well, yes. Then, then it's wanting to be
1: a stereotypical ninja in a stereotypical ninja plot, uh, I
0: yeah. suppose.
1: I suppose that could be what she means. But come on, she has wings, damn it! <laughs> Obviously, Tamsin the Valkyrie is more of a Quentin Tarantino
2: fan in this case than you are, Chris. So I'm just going to leave it at that. So
1: yeah, <laughs> most people are.
0: How did you feel though about Tamsin as flirt kick slash
2: sidekick? Oh, I I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah, I I did think it was funny when they woke up. And they're in bed and my internal documents are screaming, no, did we? And I'm like, oh, thank God. But then, (laughs) you know, all the lines, well, your breath isn't exactly minty fresh fresh either. And then. The line about the serial killer, and she's all serial, mm, serial. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> my
0: my favorite
2: part actually was the very very end
0: when Bo like elbows her to be like Tamsin. He's saying he wants us to be our bodyguards, and her response is to roll over and spoon her. <laughs> I
1: think I think I think Bo actually like kicked her under the sheet. I think is what it was. And no, I thought that part was great too. That was I loved that. I'm like I would be Tamsin in that moment. Yes, me like, too. <laughs> I know. I didn't see the spooning until the second watch, and I was like, ah! So, but um, I, I did. <laughs> no, I thought that whole scene was adorable. That that whole scene was great. Part of me
2: thought it was adorable, despite my docubus horror. But yeah, I'm, I'm always split on those scenes. But they oh, always come it. off so humorous, and I, I love seeing Rachel play those scenes. I love seeing Rachel play goofy, you know, hungover Tamsin.
0: Uh, speaking of that scene, though, I, I really liked how, you know, Mushaki has the knife that he's all twirling and trying to look all badass, and Bo pulls an even huger dagger out <laughs> yeah. from under her pillow.
2: Because, <laughs> of course, right? I love that shot whose knife is bigger, which I thought was kind of ironic, since a knife is always, and a weapons are always seen as, oh, mine is bigger, and this is the episode where Bo has no sex appeal. So,
1: anyway. No sex drive. Phone. There's a difference. No sex
2: drive. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, appeal. What am I saying?
2: Appeal. She's
1: she got plenty, plenty of plenty sex of appeal. appeal. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: That was not her problem. I I
1: totally, during that scene, I totally expected Bo to, well, half expected Bo to say, that's not a knife. That's a knife. (laughs) (laughs) And suddenly turn Australian. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And,
0: oh, Uh, but I will say, though, that the scene where Tamsin and Bo are at the hot dog stand, that whole section where eventually musashi picks them up in, in his car felt kind of weird to me it kind of felt like it was from another show and i kind of wonder if it might not have been intentional given that we're feeling the loss of kenzie in this episode that Bo probably needs somebody to talk about talk to at that moment and she doesn't really have someone she trusts like kenzie and so we get kind of this
2: weird scene between her and Tamson instead Thoughts?
1: I guess I can see
2: that. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, it's weird because, you know, Tamsin's trying so hard to replace Kenzie with the drinks and the snacks, and yet I, I still think the way I interpreted tamson Tamsin's got this huge crush on Beau, and I, I love how Rachel plays all those longing looks, but, yeah, but she's trying to get her out and everything, and, yeah, it's a weird sexual chemistry
1: scene. Dynamic. Dynamic, yes. Yeah, I was going to say, the, the big difference, though, is that Kenzie never wanted to sleep with Bo. No, so that's true. No. Mm-hmm. It is. It does add a layer of um, awkwardness to the situation. Because yes. we do eventually see Bo talk to Trick, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being the only person now in her circle, her social circle, who does not want to sleep with her. Yeah. <laughs> that's
2: true. Yeah. And that was a funny... Uh, it's like it harkened back to the scene. So many glasses must polish (laughs) for trick. He's like, uh, for the succubus, the, uh, orgasm. I didn't get to
0: mention my top three of the episode. That was definitely in my top three. Having trick Mm -hmm. try to give the talk version of the talk to Bo. The talk was, it was awesome. I thought Rick Allen played the scene really funny. I, I've I've watched it. I think, I, I've watched it twice now, and each time I've just cracked up when he t- when he said uh, "um uh, orgasm." Um, <laughs> it just, it, I just really like the way that he played that scene.
2: Well, yeah. what I thought was an interesting bit of Faye trivia in that scene was that he said that the sexual release is important for all Faye, and I'm mm-hmm. all, huh? Interesting. We haven't really heard that about all Faye before. But yeah. Anyway.
0: Well, I guess if if we're done talking about Musashi, unless there's anything else we want to... Oh, I guess the what, last comment about that storyline. The I guess an aspect that I liked was this... Because clearly it was a story about the fact that off, so often and historically you know women have been overlooked for their accomplishments it kind of reminded me of there's been a lot about Ada Lovelace actually in the news recently who was instrumental in in inventing the computer essentially but got very little credit for for very many years and so i, I you know i appreciate what they were maybe going for with that element of the storyline but yeah. but taken all together though i just thought it was a mess
1: yeah i mean i i guess i kind of agree with you that i liked the story itself but the execution of the story felt a little weird yeah
0: yeah it wasn't it it wasn't
1: cliche yeah
0: it was not particularly
1: strong but yeah and then the whole like of course it's his sister there was the big reveal and well really it wasn't that much of a reveal because i figured it was the sister from earlier but Who, who else is it gonna be yeah right and again because it's lost girl and that's the big sort of uh story they always tell right like it's thematically relevant, is what I'm getting at here. Right. Yes, mm-hmm. it's definitely thematically relevant. And then, of course, the whole thing at the end where they maybe hit it a little bit hard, the the point that Musashi was trying to be the leader, but he was basically a crappy leader. Mm-hmm. And so Bo gives them the little lecture. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> about what it is to be a leader. That scene was really
0: overwritten. I was I was I, I mean I get that we wanted to see this skeezy guy who was, you know, watching two girls make out. Ugh, I don't know why they had to include that. It you know, it was nice to see him get his dues, so to speak, but at the same time I just thought, uh, do we really need this scene? It's just so over the top and
2: Preachy. It's it's like, the moral lesson of the episode is, exclamation point, exclamation point, yeah. if you missed it. Yeah, I mean, I, it was really overwritten. And I, again, this is what a lot of typical TV tropes do. It's like, oh, here's the moral lesson with the big exclamation point. And yeah. this was the reason why we had this week's villain or story to show the hero something that they needed to realize about themselves. Yes, and, in case you didn't get it, here it is. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, when TV is kind of, you know, being a little, you know, when the script is a little blase in terms of its execution, yeah, it's that is very obvious. I mean, I did like that line of Bo saying, you know, good leader is what you need to be strong, merciless, vulnerable, just because it highlights all those aspects of Bo that I like. But yeah, in terms of execution, I'm like, yeah. I mean, the good thing we got was the red dress and the hat. And oh, she looks great looked in the hat. Fabulous. And the oh, awesome, God, like, yes. slow-motion
1: strut. The yeah. strut, sashay those hips, girl. Mm-mm. Which I know mm-hmm. is, like, a little bit cheesy, but I kind of like those scenes anyway. It kind of Me too. Because I'm an Alias fan, and yeah. that's sort of like an Alias Hallmark kind of thing. Yep. <laughs> but anyway. It and, and in that scene's defense, though, like, the the overwritten highlight of the thesis of the episode... Mm-hmm. I do know people who need that sort of thing. So I can see why they did it. But at the same time, I am a little irritated with it. But whatever. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Because it was also a wrap up to Bo's personal storyline in the episode where she's dealing with some, I think, guilty feelings as well as feeling like, you know, she's alone in this. And and, and you do get to hear her say, you know, you, you, you let everybody down, essentially, or you... I forget exactly the line that she read and the line that she said. But so it, it is a wrap up to Bo's storyline, too. I get that. I just thought that it was way overwritten. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Again, my, my, my main complaint against the storyline besides the Asian tropes, too much explaining, not enough showing. It was just a lot of talking. So I guess let's move on to talking about Bo's personal storyline of the episode, which I did like better. Which is, I guess, similar to last week's episode, wherein I didn't particularly care for the plot plot of Bo's storyline, but I did like the character beats, I guess, the character growth or momentum that we saw in her storyline. And, mm-hmm. and and like Annie mentioned, like I, I do tend to enjoy these superhero, superheroine loses their powers type of storylines. So I hadn't thought about it in that regard until you put it that way, Annie, but I do tend to enjoy those.
2: Well, now that I was mentioning it in that context, I was like, wow, it took till the- season five for us to see that. That's kind of a long time until we see that kind of storyline. It really is. Yeah. Usually it's around season three or something.
1: So I guess my, my issue with this, though, is the whole time I was kind of expecting this to tie back into the previous episodes. Huh. Because there was the whole thing with Persephone and Persephone saying you're always, or one is always starving in right. in Tartarus, right? Oh. And so I'm like, is this is this having to do with that? Is it the because she ate yeah. in, in Tartarus? Is that what's going to happen? Is it somehow related? And no, it was psychological, which was fine. I get where they're going with the story, and it made sense to me once they explained it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just one of those, because I was waiting for it to tie back in, and it didn't, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess it did in a minor way. It was everything overall with Hell and Tartarus
1: and Kenzie
2: and everything. Oh, okay, but you had a more specific plot point. Okay. It sounds like the three of us liked it more or less, but I have seen
0: some people who are really critical of this storyline feeling like we're seeing yes. Bo, her selfishness emerge that we saw in season four, and she's just being really self-involved, and it's not fair that this is her reaction to Kenzie leaving. and that wasn't I didn't find Bo being particularly selfish in this episode, but I was curious what your two, your, your takes on it was.
1: I'm so irritated with this, just because I guess this is the big thing for me, is people are like, Bo needs to stop being so selfish and needs to, you know, get back to her compassionate, big hearted self. This is my, here's my issue, right? Don't you think that in some sense, what we're seeing is the essentially the other side of being so compassionate and big-hearted. Because essentially, mm. if one is compassionate and big-hearted, at, at least in my mind, theoretically, it, it's part of Bo feeling things so deeply, right? Bo is a very emotional person. This is not news. And so why would Kenzie leaving not affect her this deeply that she's having these issues? You know what I mean? And the exactly. whole The whole point of the episode is that Bo was sort of ignoring it or repressing it or whatever, which was affecting her. And so, you know, the whole point about being vulnerable at the end, like, uh, this is another thing that plays out constantly on the show, right? People keep things from other people, thinking that they're protecting them, but really, it's just causing more problems. Right. Trick. (laughs) And so, I don't know, I just... Things get better when they lean on each other. You know what I mean, right? And mm-hmm. I don't think it's being selfish to need something in that moment from her friends, right? That doesn't that doesn't seem selfish to me. That that's yeah. just being human. <laughs> well, Chris, you and I were talking about this, where it's like Bo's
2: been through all this trauma. I, who wouldn't break down, right? Uh, who, yeah? And it's like she went to hell, She lost Kenzie. You know, as and Dyson and Lauren have guilt about it, too. They couldn't help Bo. Dyson was saying, I I held Bo back from going into the portal. And Lauren's like, no, Bo blames herself for everything. Kenzie died. She had to go to hell to get her back, go through this traumatic experience in hell, find out her father is Hades and Persephone and all this stuff. And then Kenzie leaves, you know, for her own reasons, you know, for her own sanity and to, you know, save herself in a way. And, of course, Beau is going to be reacting like this and going, well, everybody's going to leave. These This is the only family I have left, and, you know, she can't take thinking about it, or, you know, she's just, like, kind of, you know, pr- withdrawing and going, well,
1: you're all going to leave, so... And they've you know. established in season two that that's one of Bo's greatest fears. Exactly. Remember that, remember that dream sequence where she meets older her and mm-hmm. older her is alone and so desperate for for friendship.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Love and uh, right. the family. Yeah. And that scene where Bo was, you know, pouring her heart out and she says, I will always be alone. And then one by one trick and, you know, Lauren with, uh you know, I, you stole my heart and I'm never going to ask for it back. And they all tell her, and even Tamsin in her own tough love way, they all tell her why they love her. You know, that scene brought me to tears because I'm like, oh, this is why I love the show, because they're still the family and they're reassuring Bo that she won't be alone. And that, you know, and the cast keeps reiterating that it's such a big theme of this season. So I like that scene. And to me, it's an understandable reaction from Bo because of everything she's been going through. And it's where the script is going, that she has, you know, she's had this traumatic year, she's losing her powers, and she needs the reminders from her family to suddenly bring it back. And I guess that's what worked. Uh, I found that a little amusing and kind of a little implausible that, oh, she just needs the reminders, and then she'll go blue-eyed again. So I guess it was psychological.
1: Well, because again, I think the whole thing, and this sort of goes back to what you were saying with the scene with Dyson and Lauren, where Dyson confesses to Lauren that he blames himself and that basically he's sort of projecting onto Beau that the the blame that he feels towards himself, right? Yeah. So it's all sort of the same thing, right? Everybody is blaming themselves, they're upset with themselves, Mm. but then once they admit it to somebody else, they sort of get that outside perspective and like, no, it's not what you think it is. Right. It's not yeah. as bad as you think it is. So, so again, it's this whole vulnerability thing, right? You have to mm-hmm. be open with your loved ones. Cause they'll, they'll help you. <laughs> they'll, they'll prop you up when
2: you need it. You know? Yeah. That's why I love the show. So
1: me too. Yeah.
0: I had a similar perspective, I guess. I, again, I didn't feel like Bo was being especially selfish. This was her emotional reaction to losing her best friend, like who's like a sister to her. And I hadn't thought about it in the context of the season two dream sequence, Chris, but you're absolutely right. This is a fear that they've established for Bo for a while now. And I don't know. I, I feel like it's, you know, Bo can have a reaction to Kenzie leaving. This is the reaction that she had. I kind of thought on rewatch 2, the, the line that I mentioned that I can't quote. Well, I apologize that she says to Misashi about how, you know, you, you let down everybody that you care about, or you, you ignored everybody you cared about something like that. I almost wondered if this was also a reaction to her, kind of deserting her friends in season four. Yeah, probably contributing Mm -hmm. to the, I'm always going to be alone. It's, it's either I'm going to push people away or they're going to leave me because it's too
2: hard or they're going to die in Lauren's case because of her morality. Yeah. Mortality, mortality, (laughs) mortality, morality. No,
0: (laughs) (laughs) she's just too good. She dies. What is it
2: with me and the stupid (laughs) wordplay this week? But, uh, I did on rewatch when, You know, Lauren says her line, you stole my heart and I'm never going to ask for it back. You will never be alone. Bo just like throws back her head and sobs. And I'm wondering at at that point, and I'm wondering if it's because she's being reminded of Lauren's mortality.
0: That is my one thing about this, this storyline. It's not that I'm not going to call it a criticism, uh, but I do kind of wish because they haven't yet. I wish that they had maybe used this storyline to address the fact that Bo has people in her life, namely Kenzie and Lauren who are most likely going to be dead long before Bo is. And I kind of wish that they had used this storyline to address that aspect more directly. I understand why they went the route that they did in a big family hug at the end. I I do get that. But I think this could have been a good opportunity to also address that more directly between Bo and Lauren, even if Kenzie isn't here.
2: Well, (laughs) for that, Bo and Lauren, I think, should be in a room having an actual conversation and having sex afterwards. (laughs) I'm taking a drink. But I really do hope they address that more because as Bo said in Adventures in Fabie Sitting, that's when she acknowledges how long she's going to live. And I'm like, it took her that long to acknowledge it. So yeah, I do hope they do that more.
0: So I hear people saying they felt like Bo was acting too selfishly in this episode. You know, I, I don't have that perspective personally. I can kind of see where you're coming from on rewatch. But I, I feel like it. this is Bo's reaction to Kenzie leaving some of you know our emotional reactions are what they are they're not always pretty and and i personally i I liked more or less what they did with the storyline in this episode i kind of i don't know the the group at the end got a little cheesy for me but but i i'm not overly emotional i can never have enough cheese i know you can't i know you can't
1: (laughs) i knew you were gonna think it was too cheesy and i do think it was maybe a little bit Two on the nose mm. but i don't care <laughs> i don't care not really because
2: she shmies give me give me brie give me cheddar give me whatever <laughs> i like all kinds of cheese
1: i had some brie for lunch it was delicious <laughs> i love brie too but i guess i guess this is my issue right even if it is being selfish, and maybe it kind of is, I acknowledge that, yeah. but I don't think it's unreasonable. I don't mm. think it's an unreasonable reaction to having your best friend leave. Yeah. And I don't think Kenzie leaving was unreasonable either. You no. know what I mean? No. Mm-hmm. I, I can understand why these things are happening. Yeah. They, they emotionally make sense to me.
0: Well, because yeah. I, I will say for me personally, I didn't feel like Bo was blaming Kenzie for leaving. Mm-mm. I think she was no. just... There's a moment of sort of recognizing what a future being the queen. Oh, I don't want to talk about that. But, you know, this idea of being the chosen one, having a higher calling that you can't get out of what this could do to people that you love. And that's what I really thought this episode was. It it wasn't so much like, why did Kenzie leave? That's so unfair. Why are they going to leave? That's so unfair. But just kind of grappling with the idea that people that you love in your life are going to leave for various
2: reasons. And, you know, there may not be anything you can do about it. Yeah, she has no control over it if she is the one. You know, and sometimes there's that thing where Bo pushes against it and says, you know, I will live the life I choose, the whole concept of the show. But, you know, and then she struggles with it at times like this, where being the one makes her a target. So even if she, you know, she has Trick and Tamsin and Dyson, who are very long-lived, they're made a target because they're associated with her as the one, and they could be struck down because of that or killed because of that, you know? And then you have Lauren and her mortality to worry about, too. Also her
0: morality. Her darn morality. Yeah, and her morality.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, I will never worry about Lauren's morality or her sexiness, for that matter. (laughs)
0: Well, speaking of sexiness, let's let's talk about the fact that this the storyline really highlighted the the tensions and the romantic relationships, or at least the romantic feelings. I shouldn't say romantic relationships because they're not all romantic at this point uh, between Bo and Tamsin and Dyson and Lauren. Uh, and personally, oh my gosh. me, I was I shouldn't say I was surprised, but I was surprised, even though I was I was holding my breath, kind of. But I was taken aback by the by Lauren's Hall, Oh, Bo and I are just friends. You know, because of the fact that we had and I okay, granted, I'm saying it again, they have they have not said in season five that Bo and Lauren were dating or together or anything like that, but I was kind of thinking that they were because of what we saw in Dark Horse. Yes.
1: And-, <laughs> and the fact that What the that- hell what the f happened to i uh, yours? <laughs> what is this we are friends? <laughs>
2: Going no, Lord! What are you saying? So that was my reaction. But yeah, it was it was disappointing to me, to say the
1: least. But even a romantic relationship doesn't override the friendship, so the friendship is there regardless. Yeah,
2: Yeah, I know. And I think I mean, again, this episode had like every in terms of you know relationships and ships. It's very complicated because Bo's lost her sex drive, and it's like there's so much teasing with all the suck you. Blocks, busters, succubusters, so we should do that. Um, and then, you know, Bo pulling away because she's lost her sex drive, and it's like, oh, we're going to
1: hit every relationship and do a tease and then pull away with every relationship. But the buster suffix comes from filibuster, which means non, not stopping. Oh, okay. So, so block <laughs> is <mind>. more appropriate. <laughs> okay, block. Well, I wish it was a succubuster <laughs>
2: with Lauren then. It's... <sighs> I mean, it's it's kind of the whole crux of the show when it comes to, not the crux of the show, but when it comes to the relationships. It's like, what's everybody's relationship status? Will everybody's feelings be laid out? Who will Bo choose? Or, I think at this point, everybody seems to be laying their feelings by the wayside. Tamson has feelings for Bo, but she's, you know, I don't think Bo reciprocates. And Lauren says they're friends. And Dyson has guilt about, you know, not letting Bo go into the portal. And it's like, everybody loves Bo, but Bo's in this state where she can't choose. And it's like, it's, it's just tough though, watching. And I, I get why fans are frustrated. But I was
0: surprised to see that, that Lauren essentially was like, Oh no, we're friends and kind of not really acting, acting like they had been together. Sub- subsequent to dark horse in this no, episode. I didn't see it Even like though that. I, I just... thought they were pretty coupley. In Like Hell Part 1 and Part 2, even though they didn't have a ton of scenes together, they seem pretty coupley. You have Bo also wearing the, you know, for giving me the freedom to love and I do necklace. So I personally was a little surprised to hear, like, okay, I guess they weren't together. And I guess I did get a little frustrated, not because I necessarily want Bo to choose Lauren, but just I want Bo to choose something. And it just seems like right now Bo just isn't in that mind space. She doesn't want to have to choose. She seems to be running from these lovey-dovey feelings, uh, which didn't really come across in the season four finale to me at all. In fact, it seemed opposite. So I just feel like they did a bit of a U-turn. For me, I felt like there was a bit of a Mm U-turn in this episode. What do you think, Chris?
1: Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say, is it seems like that attitude makes sense given the end of Like Hell Part (laughs) 2. You know what I mean? Like, I can understand if that had been a recent development, that they'd maybe, like, cooled off the relationship a little bit temporarily, right? Because Bo's freaking out, understandably. But yeah, given the end of season four, that didn't seem like the direction they were heading, and even what we saw at the beginning of season five.
0: So your thought was maybe that this was a new development? Because I did consider that. No, I'm
1: just, I'm, the way it's phrased, it doesn't seem like it. Right. But that's what i thought had been happening up until that line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: My my take on that line is that perhaps Lauren is just saying we're friends because she's trying to be what Beau needs in this situation because Beau is having this emotional reaction, she's lost her sex drive, she's freaking out about losing everybody, not just Lauren, after Kenzie leaving. And that as a co- that's why she can't choose because she's in this really frazzled state of mind it's and as we discussed i don't think it's her beau being selfish i just think it's beau trying to cope and the last thing on her mind is who she's going to choose that just even adds more pressure so with the conversation with dyson and lauren earlier uh i think lauren was just saying beau needs a friend she was just trying to be what she needed and not put more pressure on her i don't know that's just me trying to rationalize it my docubus mind is not saying that but (laughs) You know, I think that's that's very Lauren, I think, being very self-sacrificial and sacrificing her own feelings for Bo and just being what Bo needs, not really what she wants to be with Bo, you know, in terms of her relationship.
0: But we do get in the interactions between Bo and Lauren, I felt like a sense of frustration from Lauren, for sure. Even in the interaction between Lauren and Dyson, Lauren's yeah. sense of frustration with Bo and her still her discomfort of this idea of Bo trying to feed off of other people. So I was wondering if maybe yeah. Lauren might have come around on that in some regard from season three, but it doesn't look like it from what we see in this episode, I think.
2: Yeah. Or maybe she's only saying we're
1: friends because we're she's with Tamzin. I don't know. I mean, don't you think she's maybe come around a little bit on it? Like, she's she seemed more okay with it in this episode than she did in season three, to me.
0: She seems okay with Dyson, actually. Like, because she, she could make that joke about is this what your foreplay with Bo is like? Uh, but, yeah. I, I, she seemed bothered by the idea of, of Tamsin a little bit.
2: But at the same time, she kind of makes
1: her peace with Tamsin. I don't know. I think that's what the end scene was about, though. Sort of Lauren coming around right. on on Tamsin just generally. You know what I mean? Like, because there'd been so much tension. Tension and just awkwardness between the two of them and then that scene while bow and dyson are in the lab the uh sort of mending of fences right. extending of an olive branch building a bridge how many how
0: many uh... <laughs> how many metaphors do you want can we talk about though the beginning scene with dyson and bow because i was kind of confused about this be- because uh, dyson was shirtless which implied to me that they had maybe been having some sexy times. But then it became clear very, rec- very quickly that Bo had no sex drive. And so I'm like, is that just how Dyson paints a room?
1: I assume
2: so. that's so. how Dyson is. He's just a shirtless <laughs> kind of guy. That shirtless is also Shirtless when true. he works out, shirtless when he paints. I mean, that's his <laughs> perfect painting outfit because he's being economical and he doesn't want to get paint on his, you know, sweats.
0: Because I thought it was maybe a dream sequence at first, because it's just, which I love, by the way, I think that was maybe my favorite part of the entire episode was Bo dancing at the beginning. I just love these moments where we get to see the characters (laughs) by themselves, or at least thinking they're by themselves and and what they do, you know, when they're by themselves. But, you know, then Dyson pops up behind her shirtless. I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on? Is this a dream? (laughs) I'm confused. But I guess it wasn't. And that's just his painting outfit, which, okay, fine.
1: (laughs) Here, let me let me headcanon this for you to rationalize it. Go for it, thank you. Bo called Dyson over, or maybe Dyson just randomly showed up. Uh So he was still in like his work attire, right, like button down and a fancy leather vest. Mm -hmm. And then Bo's like, "Guess what? We're painting." (laughs) And so Dyson's like, "Oh, okay. Then I should take off my fancy leather vest and and button down shirt, so I don't get paint on them."
0: Okay. I can I can accept it's, that. that yeah, was exactly. he wearing pants though? Did we ever see if he was wearing pants? Was he just naked?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, he wasn't.
2: Oh, but he usually just God. wears
1: like sort of messy jeans anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. Holy jeans and whatever.
2: Was that not the smallest paint roller in the world that Bo had? And Was that not the biggest? I know that was like paint roller in the world that Dyson had. No, that was a pretty that standard was an average paint roller. <laughs> Okay, it just
1: looked bigger than Chris Holden Reed's head. It just it was huge. Well, that is what normal paint rollers look like. But yeah, Bo had one for like edging. Yes,
0: which was or, adorable. Or trim, but that would take her forever to paint the paint the house.
1: I know, because like she she poured all that. First of all, she poured too much paint she in did. that paint tray, especially given the size of that roller. Yes. I love how we're getting off on this tangent <laughs> <laughs> because it bothered me. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, "Bo, you're adorable, but that's that's all wrong. You're doing that all wrong, Bo." I have to say that that shade of green was horrid for the crack shack. Shut
0: so. up. Why do people hate the green? That is one of my favorite colors of green. Stop pe- stop Not making fun crack of shack. my favorite it doesn't colors. match. Doesn't match what? But they're, what? they're painting. <laughs> they're painting everything.
1: <laughs> but but he, I guess my issue is, like, that color is fine, but would be best used as an accent color. I agree.
0: So maybe she's just going dark. to paint the columns that color, and then paint the walls something Okay, lighter. I can accept that, yes. I hope so. Yeah. But I like that color green. Stop calling it an ugly color green. But I like it, too. It's pretty. Besides the painting... You know, I thought this was a, a, a nice, like, sexy moment between between Bo and Dyson. I, I I mentioned this on Twitter. I don't think that I have chanted. I actually, I meant to say, I have not chanted, make out, make out, while watching an episode of Lost Girl more than I have in this episode. I was just, like, wanting everybody to make out in this episode,
2: because everybody was being really sexy. I <laughs> only wanted one couple to make out. Surprise, Meanwhile, surprise. I'm going, yes. <laughs> This is my headcanon about after that scene. After Bo's like, I have a headache. Oh, paint fumes. And then she goes and looks in the mirror. And I know in the script, it's probably Bo going, what's going on? Have I lost my sex drive? You know, but to me, it's like her looking at the mirror with her necklace gone going, I need to be faithful to Lauren because I almost lost it and did it with Dyson again. But that's just me.
0: I almost, when I, before the whole, oh, Bo and I are just friends type of stuff, I wondered if that might have been where they were going with that moment. Yes. But ultimately, no, which is fine. But I, that was my first impression too, because I, again, was assuming that they were more together than apparently they were.
2: Despite that and all this analysis, my docu di- Docubus faith remains strong. I will put that on record. I'm sure it does. So we
0: had, we had sexy Bo and Lauren. I liked Lauren being all like, Let a medical professional help you. Like, that was some quality flirting (laughs) there, Lauren. That did not make me roll my eyes or anything. That was quality, sexy flirting. (laughs) And then there was, you know, the sexy moment between Bo and Dyson and then sexy moment between Bo and Tamsin. A couple of them. But I'm speaking specifically in the bed. But I still had this moment where Bo was like, do you mind if I? And I'm like, no, Bo, you know she likes you. Do you like her? I just don't
2: know. Don't take advantage of Tamsin. Well, I love that look that Tamsin has when you know that hesitation of I, I you know, I, I really am attracted to Bo, but it's so hard to do this at the same time. And I just think Rachel plays those beats really well, and it's all just with her expression. And it's within a second or two, you see all these emotions cross her face, and I just I had to mention that because I think Rachel does a great job. I do enjoy Rachel's Skarsten's
1: face. <laughs>
0: And then I will say, I was a little disappointed by the, by the end where Bo just like grabs Dyson and, you know, they have, they have sex in the room. And mm. not because I necessarily care if Bo sleeps with Dyson, but it just, it felt like it had been done before. And I just, I don't know. But at yeah. the same time, it's like, yeah, they kind of have an agreement. You know, this is, she's done with this with Dyson before he has an expectation there. But I don't know. I just, I, Again, I want Bo to choose. I don't want her to just use these people around her because, and, you know, use their affection for her. And I'm not saying that's what she's doing here, but I worry about it going down that path.
2: Well, again, it's so complicated, so.
1: I felt like it was a deliberate thing because they had established that it was... A, a no strings attached kind of arrangement you know what i mean like yeah. i felt like in that moment dyson made sense just because things with Tamson are in sort of a weird place lauren she's so hungry she might hurt <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. tricks off limits for reasons thank god <laughs> of relatedness mm-hmm. so so dyson makes sense you know She knows that she can heal. He's already established that it's okay if they have no strings attached healing sessions.
0: Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I understand why they did, why she chose Dyson. But at the same time, again, I'm just like, it's kind of, I don't know. It feels like it's been done a lot.
1: But then they also turned it into an homage to the first season episode. They did
0: turn it into a homage of Dead Lucky, which I thought was a great scene where we see Lauren and Tamsin Sitting outside of the whatever that room is, at Lauren's lab, and you know, we have the ridiculous sex noises going on in the background, and they're making small talk. I, I, I thought that both Zoe and Rachel Scarston were great in that scene, and it was just a really nice moment between the two of them. I thought, I agree. <laughs> I will admit. I partially agree. I thought they had kind of, I'm not saying I wanted them to make out, but there was definitely a make out (laughs) chant worthy moment in that scene, which I think they were totally going for. Yeah. And and Andy's like, I don't
2: want to admit it, but yes. (laughs) No, I don't admit it. What the hell?
0: But no, you don't admit that they were going for that, that they were kind of, I admit then, that
2: they were going for I'm that, saying, but I don't want to see it. I know,
0: I I don't buy it. You know, Tamsin Loring having a yeah. relationship at yeah. this point, but I I'm liking the little tendrils of friendship that are developing between the two of them, and and I just like wanted to give Tamsin a big hug at the end of that scene.
2: Me too, and again, that's really great, a great bit from Rachel because she you know, wants to be part of this family. And her, again, her tough love with Bo in the previous scene, that's how she expresses herself. She doesn't want to lose Bo either.
1: Can we <sighs> can we just go ahead and declare Tamsin episode MVP? Uh, not my MVP. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, I mean, going, going back a little
2: bit, Stephanie, I agree with you. I think it's, I do want Bo to choose. I just don't know where... I, I'm worried about where the series is going to end up in that respect
1: with the way everything is now. But we have 13 episodes left. There's a lot of story left to tell. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just... I I
2: don't know. Anyway, but um, in terms of Lauren being the, my MVP of this episode...
1: <laughs> of every episode. Uh, I did think that
2: was of every episode. But that was not just great flirting. That was just... Uh, It was a great scene. Mm, Neck kisses for the win. (sighs) So let's
0: talk about Lauren, because for me, the Lauren scenes, the Lauren storyline was the uh, part of the episode that I thought worked the best and that I liked the best.
1: Obviously, I did, too. (laughs) (laughs) Chris, what do you think? (laughs) I concur. Although, minor criticism. And this is really less a criticism than it is me being uh weird and nitpicky, but she throws the the syringe at the guy, does it auto inject that didn't make sense
0: <laughs> <laughs> she does have those it was it wasn't a regular syringe it was kind of a injector thing, but yeah, I had that thought too like did it automatically release the ketamine? Okay, I'll just go with it
2: <laughs> well and and my other minor criticism everybody is like. In the room when she's doing surgery on Beau, and I'm I like, "Don't we need a ma- more sterile, sterile environment." <laughs> I know. <laughs> I can understand why, but uh, yeah, but but I did see that my my you know I write a lot of her comfort stuff, and I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> Lauren taking care of her her girl, her woman."
0: And and I admit, I Lauren is one of my favorite characters on the show. I I so I admit that I am biased toward Lauren. But I thought in this episode that the audience was really allowed to be, for lack of a better term, with Lauren in a way that it, it not hasn't necessarily been previously. And by that, I mean, I felt like we really understood where Lauren was coming from the entire time in this episode. I feel like previously, you know, Lauren has gotten her own story arcs and episodes before, but there is always kind of a mystery shadowing her storyline. Oh, what is her motivations? Why is she doing this? And that separated Lauren from the audience. And I didn't have that in this episode. I felt it was really clear what Lauren's emotions were in this episode.
1: Right. And this Mm -hmm. is part of what we've been talking about, right? Is that Lauren needed a friend. Yes. (laughs) She's never really had somebody she could just talk to, aside from Beau. But that got complicated for a number of reasons. So... Now that she and Dyson are buddies, it's really helping, I think, the audience to connect more with Lauren because it gives her somebody to talk to about this stuff. Yeah, I, I really still
2: like how the Dyson and Bo excuse me, the Dyson and Lauren relationship is progressing, even though they've got, you know, they've developed to the point where they can make jokes about Bo, and they have this unique understanding of Bo as both being her ex-lovers. Meat lovers' pizzas? <laughs> Meat lovers pizza, and <laughs> it's a unique bond they share, and I like seeing that develop. And I like how Dyson has developed has developed in his relationship with Lauren to know how to talk with her, so that she can you know find that place where she- you know in the whole scene with the uh, shrukins where she can find that place to use a weapon, so that she can protect herself, so that she can protect Bo. Yeah, I like the development between them.
0: I really liked how we saw how we saw Lauren go to Dyson with a problem and he helped her with that. And then that allowed yeah. Dyson to open up to Lauren and have her help him with a problem. I liked that. It was very reciprocal. Yeah. I just really liked seeing them interact in this episode. I just, I really did.
2: It was nice. And I liked that they, you know, obviously have the storyline of the problem of Lauren turning a fey human and the problems that presents and, Although, uh, my headcanon is going, I would have liked to have seen a Fae army coming after her, led by Ebony, and Lauren and Beau fighting side by side in some epic battle instead of phone threats. But, you know, that's a little bit more budget than they can do. And I I was wondering why Lauren didn't tell Beau about the death threats, but, you know, Lauren's aware that Beau has enough to worry about her. And as you said, Stephanie, I like that, you know, instead she goes to Dyson with the issue. So, and I'm sure Lauren doesn't want to put more stuff on Beau's plate.
0: Well, and and I think it was appropriate for Lauren to want to be able to deal with them herself rather mm-hmm. than going yeah. to somebody and say, "Bo save me, Dyson save me, Trick save
1: me, Tamzin save me."
0: I I like that she they went that route with it. Like, I want to empower myself to deal with this problem.
1: The episode also addressed this whole idea of there's not always going to be somebody there to save you, right? Especially given the ending of the episode, right?
2: Yeah, and I I like how. Yeah, she goes to Dyson, but she's saying, empower me. And it's not just, yeah, that, that's Dyson giving her the tough love, saying, this is your new reality, you have to learn how to do this. Even if Lauren's reluctant at first, because it's her nature as a healer to not want to use weapons, she realizes the necessity of it and learns how to use it.
0: And I still feel this very strongly. I don't want to see them turn Lauren into another bow and Tamsin. I think that... This is often a problem in fantasy shows is that in order to make a female character, quote unquote, strong, we show them, you know, being able to kick people's asses. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that that is just as limiting like this is what makes a strong woman to be able to beat. People up that's just as limiting as having women not be strong and not being you know all women not being able to defend themselves. I think there needs to be a range of ways that women can be empowered and badass and I always have thought Lauren was a badass because of her intelligence and the way that she uses her her intellect to get out of situations. That being said, I was really worried when I saw in the promo with Lauren you know throwing the stars and stuff I'm like oh please don't turn her into another beau or Tamsin. but it doesn't seem to me that that's the way that they're headed. I could be wrong, but mm-hmm. I like that we didn't see Dyson doing that in this episode. It's very much just a you know I need to I need to have some sort of defense here because I'm not always gonna have somebody around who is physically able to defeat somebody who might be coming after me.
1: See, I was yeah. never concerned that that was an option because we'd had Kenzie before this, right? Mm-hmm. Kenzie, who would also be brave and stand up for herself and for others, but was never a bow or a Tamsin, you know what I mean? Like, she'd be armed, but mostly she's there for the assist. Right. Except for that one episode where she gets a magical thing attached to her hand. But that, I mean, the fact that that was sort of a mystical, magical occurrence (laughs) is part of my my point here, that this show's very good about not doing that. And they keep the Lauren you know, they keep true to Lauren and, and her nerdy rants about yes. using
2: her weapons of science. When and that's how ha- she
1: saved herself, too. So, exactly. A combination of that with what she learned from Dyson, which I thought was a really excellent mm-hmm. way to solve that problem.
0: Yeah. And Achoo! can I just say, I loved her line where Dyson was like, what? You want to fix the question? Do you have one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like, Test. Yes, I like tests. Like- <laughs> yeah. And again, it was such a great combination of what Dyson's good at, and you know, what Lauren picks up on. Oh, and by the way, I think this is the first time, correct me if I'm wrong, that we've seen Lauren's hair in a ponytail in the show. But hair porn is hair porn no matter what, so it looks good no matter what. I just had to say that. <laughs> I couldn't tell you if it's the first time or not, Annie. This episode had good had good Lauren hair porn.
0: So. Oh, Zoe Palmer looked effing amazing in this episode. Everybody Yay! looked really good, but it, her in particular this episode, I was like, dang, she looks really good
1: what is with this season I don't right know. everybody's just 15 percent sexier
2: yeah. it seems like
1: or are we just more attracted to them for some reason like what happened? Know, maybe because it's the last <laughs> season we're like
2: more attraction but <laughs> costume design in this episode for the non-asian part i mean <laughs> Bo in the
1: overalls in that white jacket in the first scene in the sushi restaurant oh yeah and of course that's the the jacket she's wearing when she gets like sliced in her arm, mm-hmm. so she's bled all over it, yeah. and it's ruined I now. I know,
2: and the kimono, <laughs> and the kimono is now ruined. Uh, although I have to say, uh, we had this missing piece of who found Bo and got
1: her to Lawrence.
0: Yeah, I was curious mm. how yeah. how that all worked out, but
1: maybe Tamsin came home. That's yeah, that's the only that's thing I, I can think of is that Tamsin
0: came home and found her.
2: Yeah, but thank you, costume designers, for continuing to put your actors in awesome, awesome costumes this year. It's just. Awesome. And Lauren in the white shirt at the end. Oh, so many, so many pretty bits.
0: But before we move on from the Lauren storyline, I, I, I also did really love the moment where she was going to get in the boxing ring and her head got really close to Dyson's man junk. I'm going to go with man junk since it was just a crowd pleaser. Ow, ew. And she was like, do you want to put on a shirt? <laughs> <laughs>
2: The only thing I noticed in that scene was thank you, costume department, for putting Zoe Palmer in a tight black shirt. Thank you, but I did not notice that part. Now, how do you so. not notice that part, Annie? <laughs> because I'm not looking at the man junk. I am not wolfing at. I am not looking at hot pants or wolf junk or anything. I am looking at Lauren. But Lauren's face was near the Just I'm not gonna. It's great. Now I'm gonna go back and watch that scene and be
1: horrified. So. But it, no, it's, they played it really well. Cause, they did. cause Lauren did that. She leaned down and then realized that her face was in close proximity and then oh, leans God. back up. I was like, do you want to put on it, a shirt? Was like,
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> gonna hurl thank I'm you kidding. thank you lauren for allowing dyson to have some modesty or i should say for allowing chris holden reed to have some modesty i'm sure he appreciated being able to put his shirt on <laughs> i know
1: i don't know after last year's dragon con i'm not sure how much modesty he actually has <laughs> Fair enough. i know he's claimed to have some before but i don't know i just don't know anymore
0: <laughs>
1: so uh we need to make me a, a, a
0: wolfery alert because I'm gonna talk Dyson and Tamson now and how at the end of the episode they were super adorable and why aren't they making out? I don't understand. <laughs> I know. Uh...
1: You should make some hilarious adorable noise so we can loop <laughs> it and then something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that was work. really
2: just me mimicking Annie. Yeah, I know, I know. But I think it's interesting that it's the first time in forever that Tamsin or Dyson have mentioned their jobs as cops. Yeah. (laughs) Or, you know, and I'm like, well, yeah, where'd that go? And will Tamsin stay with the paranormal hot vest skaters with Bo? Looks like it. We see her moving into the Kenzie role. I loved her cracks about, yes,
0: I'm leaving my well-paying job with a pension to play private eye with my roommate. Hello, Kickstarter. Do you have money for spy cams?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but (laughs) since when is... Being a detective, it's not always the best, well-paying job either. But it's better than being paranormal hot investigators because they seem to be low on cash.
0: Yeah, it's more steady income than private investigators. So we have D- Dyson and Tamsin being adorable, having a cute conversation, giving each other flirty smiles. Why aren't they making out, show? Why aren't they making out? <laughs>
1: because Tamsin was turned off by the burnt popcorn smell. <laughs>
0: But then Lauren comes in, and Lauren and Dyson have a moment. I was not chanting for them to make out. I like them as friends. I just well, want to no. be clear.
1: <laughs> well, Lauren has already declared her disinterest. Yes, so. exactly. Exactly. And then
0: we get the couch scene, which, Chris, you thought was cute. I thought was cute. What did you I think, Annie?
2: You thought it was cute? Yeah, I mean, it was just the family being together, and and
1: I noticed how Lauren was carrying dark belch beer.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: <laughs> which everybody except for her had, which I thought was interesting.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, she's you know in a wine mood, so she drinks both.
1: No, I know she does, but the past times we've seen her drink dark belch, she ends up making out with somebody. I think that's maybe why she abstained. (laughs) Probably so. Things could get awkward. I'll drink wine instead. Yeah, everybody wants Beau. (laughs) To be clear, I think the
0: last time we saw her drinking dark belch, she ended up doing surgery on Vex's hand, drunken surgery. So
1: maybe (laughs) that's that's why she avoided it. You're right. (laughs) That, I could see how that would put somebody off of, and it was, it was spiked with Choga sweat too. So I could see how that would put you off Dark Belch for a while.
0: Dyson seemed cool with it though. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Which might also be telling, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But I thought the couch scene was a freaking adorable, though at the same time when Bo like pops her head up and is all, guys, are we going to watch a movie? It was one of those Uh moments that Chris and I talk about where it clearly Dyson and Tamsin were standing well within hearing distance of Bo that entire time. And Dyson's being all, Bo really needs you. You know, it's like these quote unquote private conversations on television that are nowhere near private.
2: Uh, they are not private. But I thought it was interesting he st- describes himself as single now. It's like, Lauren and- says we're friends in relation to Bo. Dyson says he's single. Tamson says don't say or mingle, so I guess she's single. And it, <laughs> Duh, relationships are so confusing right now. That's just my conclusion at the end of this episode. Because there
1: are 13 episodes left of the season.
0: No <laughs> Annie is probably going to yell at me. But did either of you think that the little couch moment at the end was maybe a nod to she ends up with all of them?
2: Yes. <laughs> at this point, I'm so confused. I honestly think that the show is going to go that route. She's just going to end up with all of them, or none of them, or everybody's going
1: to die, and my docubus heart will shri- shrivel up and die with it. I don't think this show's going to end with with everybody dying. This show is not that kind of show. It's just too optimistic. I think the way this show is now, it's, it's just gonna end with
2: Bo with everybody because, and everybody's going to be mad who likes shipping. I don't know. I just, there's no other way to do it, I don't think. I mean, that's not what I want personally, but yeah, it's just so complicated. I saw a a gif on, I'm sorry, go ahead, Annie. No, I have to say, Bo and Lord, picture in the office. Yay! Selfie. That's not what we were oh, talking the about. <laughs> the docu selfie. The docu selfie.
0: It just made me happy. I just had to point that out. Did Did you have <laughs> any other comments about the couch scene, Chris?
1: Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> I saw a, I saw a thing on Tumblr. Somebody had a GIF of the couch scene, the four of them on the couch, and had captioned it something along the lines of. Or like four idiots who will raise a baby together. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <sighs> Three
1: phase. It and just one better not
0: be Lauren mystical baby. pregnancy. That's all I'm saying. Ugh. Anyway, so yeah, I I kind of thought the count scene might have been a nod to. Oh, she ends up with all of them, which mm. I'm on the record as saying I'm not. I'm not particularly opposed to, but I know Annie's like, no, no.
1: To clarify your mystical pregnancy comment, though. It would be okay if it was a mystical pregnancy that involved two of the four people on the couch, yes, right? It would, it would, okay. Because yeah, it was, Bo it was War. an overreaching or overarching, uh, a blanket statement. There you okay. go. It was a blanket statement that you made about mystical pregnancies, and I wanted to clarify for the listeners, yeah, <laughs> in case they missed before. It's like it's okay if it involves the four people on the couch somehow. Yes,
0: preferably either Bo or Tamsin knocking up
2: Lord. Not Dyson. What?
1: (laughs) Excuse (laughs) me.
2: Can we just finish the episode, please? (laughs) Ah, She's so depressed. Okay,
0: let me clarify, because Chris introduced a four-person situation into my mystical pregnancy scenario. What I said in the last episode was that if they were going to do a mystical pregnancy with Lauren, I would prefer that they use that as a way for... Lauren and Bo to conceive a child because clearly Lauren loves Bo and that she would love to have a relationship with Beau from what we can tell. So that's that's what I was getting at. But because Chris threw in this four person scenario, I was opening up the options a little bit. So mystical <sighs> pregnancies, that actually leads me into talking about the very last scene of the episode where we see the, the woman, the Bond woman from the elevator again. I, she has a name now, Elizabeth something. I'm blanking on her. I forgot her last I'm sorry. name, but she comes back to life and she attacks Lauren's poor nurse. When that happened, I was thinking, "Oh, she's quitting!" Like Lauren's nurse is totally Worst quitting. Day ever. And, but then I was like, "Oh, she's dead. Never mind." <laughs> I felt so bad for Lisa. I did feel bad. I liked oh. Lisa.
2: Yeah,
1: we just got to know her, and then she died, <sighs> and I felt like I should have realized that was going to happen. <laughs>
2: Elizabeth Helm. I know. There's I was like, her name. "Oh, Lauren has a staff, and they have names, and they get more than a throwaway line, and they're dead." Clearly,
1: they're going oh. to die.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, my question is, what the f is that? Ar- what is that Artemis candle doing? What did it do? And it turned Elizabeth into some homicidal, creepy zombie creature slash fae. Well, because what she says is, "Can
0: you see me? Can you see me?" This is where our my mystical pregnancy fears are coming in because. What? It implies, hang on, because it implies that the Elizabeth has been maybe possessed by something that was before now non corporeal, was invisible, was a spirit, was a ghost of some kind. And given. That Michael Grassi described the, 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 the thing with which Lauren had sex or was assaulted in the previous episode as some other fae and not the ghost. I'm now like, it, it was her or whatever's possessing her. It was her. And it's going to be mystical pregnancy and I'm going to be mad. So y'all need to talk me down.
1: <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't necessarily think that. I don't think the two storylines
2: are connected in my mind, but go on. I'm trying to remind myself, Occam's beard trimmer, Occam's beard trimmer. Uh, That sounds really complicated to me, but go on.
0: (laughs) Uh, There's nothing more to say. That's just my freak out.
1: (laughs) Okay. I mean, I also thought what they were implying was that Elizabeth or whoever had been possessed or something by, or, or, you know, a spirit or something had been released by lighting the Artemis flame. Right.
2: Yeah, I thought that, that was I thought, thought that was the
1: implication, and because Elizabeth didn't seem like there was anything unusual about her, especially since Lauren said she was human, right? Yeah, so that does imply that she has been possessed by whatever it is, and that is what has awoken because clearly she didn't think she was corporeal. So, so who do we think it is, or do we think it's somebody? Is this this threat or
2: whatever? What did Bo bring back from hell with her by lighting the Artemis candle? What was the consequence of it? And me, I'm just only freaking out, not because of mystical pregnancies or anything like that, but because she picks up the docu-selfie and now she's going to go after Bo and Lauren first, and so Annie is freaking out.
1: Do we think that this is Pirapis or Hades or something? Something related to it, yeah, not them directly. That was my thought, but...
0: She does put on lipstick, which is not something that I would imagine most
2: male spirits would first do, though. Maybe she's just trying to fit in.
0: But why not? Well, I, what I'm saying, I, I don't want to, like, make
2: assumptions. <laughs> However, She's trying to pass off as corporeal, so she's putting on lipstick. Well, plenty of women. I don't wear
0: lipstick. You don't have to be wear lipstick to be taken as not invisible.
1: <laughs> but it's like, hey, I have a body again. Let's do something fun with it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Let's. I gotta look good. That suggested to me that it might be a female entity, but that could just be me being stereotypical. And a lot of people were guessing Demeter. I don't know about how that scene jives with that theory of it being Persephone's mother. I don't know. I I don't right? know. I don't know. Maybe it's Artemis in some regard because
2: it was called the Artemis candle. I'm not sure. Many unanswered questions. Hurry up, thirteen episodes, so we know what the hell's going on.
0: Well, I like the the teases that we've gotten with this character so far, I don't have a clue about who this entity will end up being, but that's okay. We've only seen her for a couple minutes, so I'm okay with that.
2: Yeah, me too. I, I had quite frankly forgotten about her until she came out of the uh, fridge.
0: <laughs> any any theories, Chris, about who she might be besides Hades or Pirapus or whatever his name is?
1: I don't know. Because I was going to float the idea of Leviathan, but Leviathan seemed to have a body, mm. so that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Unless Leviathan, like, non-corporeally would visit the Earth realm.
2: Yeah, what happened to Levi?
1: So I'm guessing it's somebody new then. Mm, me too. Well, Dyson
2: and Tamsin were saying it's either hella old or we haven't seen it before. That is true, that, yes. That is a
0: hint. Hella old or something new. Which, given that Dyson says that second, I'm guessing it's something new. But we, me we'll, too. we'll see. So any wrapping mm-hmm. up thoughts before we wrap up?
2: I want to see Lauren throw axes
1: next. Will they look like the freedom to love necklace? <laughs>
2: exactly. <laughs> yes, they will.
1: The axe will have, like, naked ladies on the blades. Yeah,
2: I want to see a crossover. She's got to get a hold of a chakram. <laughs> or a staff, because she could have used that uh, broom as a bow staff, a la Gabrielle. <laughs> a bow <beau> staff? <laughs> yeah. Ha 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 I just want my documents sex back, for God's sake. (laughs) I'm taking a drink.
0: (laughs) Send us your thoughts about this episode. We would be curious to hear what you thought. You can leave them in a comment on the show notes for this episode over at com slash 83. You can also send us an email to feedback at com or send a voice message by clicking on the send voicemail tab on the right hand side of our website. We're also on Twitter and Facebook as drinks of the doll. I'm so glad you could join us
2: for Drinks of the Doll. My name is Stephanie. Still impatiently waiting for my documents. I'm taking a drink. My name is Annie.
1: (laughs) And I'm part Asian, but less Asian than this episode was. (laughs) And my name is Chris.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for listening.
1: Cheers.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I'm wait, let me look over all my Lauren notes. Maybe make sure I say (laughs) everything.
1: She doesn't have normal notes. She has Lauren notes.